view, but sometimes it's, I think it's really important that we take the time and really draw out a section of Scripture and, and really look into it and, and dive into it and search it deeply. And I'm encouraged by this study. And we have been talking, our theme this over the last few weeks has been what manner of people ought you to be. And I encourage you to turn to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11 for us. It says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And I love the way that that's worded. In the, New, in the King James Version, um, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? To me, it's such a unique phrasing of the question. But the question is, what type of people are we going to be? And the reality is, we have a choice to make every single day. Are we going to be Christians that are striving for growth? That are striving to excel in our godliness? Are we going to be Christians that are trying to just coast? And trying to be as stagnant as possible? And the reality is, we must be growing. If we are not growing, then we are not being pleasing to the Lord. And what's unbelievably amazing is that God has done so many wonderful and foundational things for us. But at the end of the day, it's a choice that we have to make whether or not we're going to grow or to not grow. And really, as we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm grateful for Paul reading it to us, we're reminded of some important attributes here. It says in verse 5 of chapter 1 of 2 Peter, it says, But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful, and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is so short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. And as we look at the screen before us, we recognize that some of the lessons that we went over really have laid the foundation for what we'll be talking about this morning. And the first lesson we talked about Really, the secret sauce and the importance of deciding to follow the recipe. And here in 2 Peter, we're given this amazing recipe that if we add a little bit of this and we add this and we add this, the things that we can make or build are going to be unstoppable and very fulfilling, not only to us, but ultimately to God. And we talked about the importance of that recipe, the importance of recognizing and owning and deciding to want to make our lives a mirror image of what the Bible and the Scriptures tell us to do. The second lesson Bryant reminded us of is sharing in the divine nature of God. And what an encouraging verse we see here in verse 3 of chapter 1. And, and His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
And then in lesson 3 and 4, we started looking at these supplements or these characteristics or these virtues or these qualities that are described. Now what's fascinating is if you look at them, the first half really are talking about internal qualities. And the second half are talking about those things that then present or, or external. And Bryant did a wonderful job last week of talking about uh, those qualities and a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of prayer and intentional study and removing the things that are distracting or the things that are causing us to not be completely focused upon God and then ultimately replacing it with things that are godly. And we also reminded ourselves that in life we will always lose our way without God. But it is His Word, His people, and His grace that guide us back to the right place. And this morning, brothers and sisters, we'll be talking about the importance of fulfilling or to, to, to be fruitful and effective, particularly our faith. And so this morning, that's really the subject that we will be talking about in essence this morning. Before we begin, I ask that you will bow with me in a word of prayer. Dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this day. We're grateful for this opportunity that we have to gather here this morning as your saints and as your children to give you praise, honor, and glory. We're grateful for the men that have led us in the various aspects of worship this morning. And as we come before you, as we open your word, and as we are looking into it, as we are studying and we are meditating and we are drawing out these important principles, we pray that we will apply them, not only within these four walls, but that we will take them and that we will use them, and it will be a part of our DNA, a part of our makeup. It will be a part and a foundational part of our families and our, and our individual lives, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we will be consistent through all aspects of our lives that we will be completely willing to devote ourselves 100% to you. We are grateful for those who are here this morning. We pray as we study that we will always teach the truth, that we will always take your word and not allow it to just lie in these pages, but that we will take them and make them active in our lives. We are grateful for this opportunity. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So this morning we'll be talking about being a fruitful and, and having a fruitful and effective faith. And so the first thing I want to look at here in Second Peter is really Second Peter 1 verse 8. It says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're essentially going to take this verse, we're going to divide it in half, we're going to break it up, and we're going to look at really, I think, four important principles. So the first part is that, as we see on the, the screen ahead, you see the words yours and are increasing. And what's important is that Peter says, if these qualities are yours... And really, ultimately, what that means, brothers and sisters, is that we need to look at these words and we need to ask ourselves, are these characteristics, all the, are these qualities, are these virtues, are they a part of me? 
Are they who I am? And I want to ask you, and this is a very to-the-point question, but when we look at these eight virtues, or these eight qualities, where do you rate yourself? When you look at your faith, on a scale of one to ten, where are you? Ten being absolutely perfect. One being an absolute train wreck. Where are you on that scale? Is there anybody in this room who would be bold enough to say that they're a ten? I don't see any hands. And by you being here this morning, I would hope to say that there's nobody that's a train wreck. So we're somewhere between two and nine. But reality, brothers and sisters, is that we need to be growing in our faith. And everyone who's sitting here this morning, on February, is it the 19th? 20th. February 20th. No. 21st. That's what I meant. 21st. February 21st. If I was to ask you the same question one year from now, our goal should have been to have grown and increased. And if I was to ask you about your knowledge and your virtue and your self-control and your perseverance and your godliness and your brotherly kindness and your love, one to ten, where are you? So brothers and sisters, that's the first thing. I would challenge you to do a true, accurate assessment of yourself. Look at yourself. Look at where you are at spiritually and where you need to be. And sometimes having those honest, in-depth questions and, and answers sometimes are a reality check to think, wow, I'm not nearly where I should be. But we need to have those mile markers in our lives. I want to look at a set of verses. The first one is here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 and 6. It says, in verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves. See whether you are in the faith. Brothers and sisters, this is what we need to be doing in our lives. We need to be examining ourselves. And what's amazing is that God has given us the perfect textbook to examine ourselves to. We don't need to be guessing. We don't need to be looking to the internet. We don't need to be looking to each other. We need to be looking to God's Word in order to examine ourselves. You need to examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. And something that is extremely uncomfortable, right, is test yourselves. Or do you not realize this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test, I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. And of course, Paul's talking about him and his apostleship and what he is writing to the church here in Corinth. But brothers and sisters, we need to be testing ourselves. We need to be seeing if we are where we ought to be. If we are where God desires for us to be. The next verse we'll look at is in Hebrews chapter 5. And in chapter 5 it says, About this we have much to say. And looking at the context here in Hebrews chapter 5, he's talking about Melchizedek. And he's talking about Melchizedek and Jesus. And there's a lot there that we could really break down. 
Though if we look at what he's saying, he says, about this we have much to say, right? And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Brothers and sisters, is there anyone in here that's become dull of hearing? I have to say there are times in my life where I become dull of hearing. Where I come to Sunday services or I'm a part of a Bible study and you know, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I've heard this over and over and over and over again. And I kind of start tuning out. And sometimes when you have children, it's good to use them as an excuse why you tune out because you've got all these distractions. But brothers and sisters, may it never be said of us that we became dull of hearing. And in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 5, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And brothers and sisters, we know this, that when you are first when you first become a Christian and you're an infant in Christ, you need that milk. You think about a baby. It would be ridiculous if you tried to feed a baby some type of chicken or steak. They're not ready for that. They don't have the system to process that. They don't have teeth to process it. Their GI system can't break it down, can't gain the nutrients from it. They need milk in order to develop. But what is being said here by the Hebrew writer is that you are not infants right now. You should be teachers. You need to be challenging yourselves. You've become dull of hearing. You don't need milk. You need solid food. But because you are not growing, we have to continue to give you milk. Brothers and sisters, we need to be growing. In verse 13 it says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And I ask you again, brothers, where is your faith? Where is your virtue? Where is your knowledge? Where is your self-control? Where is your perseverance, your godliness, your brotherly kindness, and your love? Is it where it needs to be? Are you partaking in the meat? Are you still drinking the milk? And these are uncomfortable questions sometimes to answer. But brothers and sisters, every single one of us should be striving to eat the meat. And as we look at this, the second part of this verse, it says that you keep from being ineffective or unfruitful. And this is an interesting thing. And ultimately telling us that if you, if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, you will be two things. You will be effective and you will be fruitful. And what's amazing is that you look throughout God's Word over and over again. He talks about the importance of bearing fruit. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is an extremely important section of verses. 
In John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, in verse 5. And you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. And join with me in Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Another important verse about bearing fruit. In Psalm chapter 1, and we'll, we'll just read the entire psalm. It says, Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel, not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaves also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." And turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, another verse about the importance of fruit. Matthew chapter 7, and in verse, let's just read verse 17, it says, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Brothers and sisters, we need to realize the importance of being effective and fruitful as children of God. And I would argue to tell you that if you are effective, then you will be fruitful. And if you are bearing good fruit, as described here in Matthew chapter 7, then you will be effective. They go hand in hand. And over and time and time again, we've talked about the importance of being having a faith that is strong and grounded in the Lord and in how important works go with that. How works and faith cannot be separated. And in James chapter 1 and in verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James is challenging us that we can't just be hearers. We must be doers. It's not optional. In order for us to be effective, fruitful Christians, we must be doers. And at the very end, in verse 25, he says, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Brothers and sisters, we are fortunate that every first day of the week and every Wednesday night, we come together to encourage and to remind each other. We don't just say these things and study these things just to hear ourselves saying and hearing these things. We hear and say these things so that when we leave these four walls, we are doers of the Word of God. And sometimes that can be challenging. Sometimes that can be difficult. But we need to understand that these qualities will make us profitable, useful, and productive in the kingdom of God. But we must be growing. We must be increasing. And these qualities must be ours. God wants us to be useful. He wants us to be productive. He wants us to be fruitful, increasing, growing, and becoming more and more spiritual. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know that you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 10, it says, And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brother, that you increase more and more. Brothers and sisters, these qualities must be increasing every day in our lives. And if you look at 2 Peter chapter 1, you'll see the importance of verse 8. And if we look at the key takeaways of verse 8, and I remind you again, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing, the first takeaway from this verse we see is that you must own it. And when I say own it, we've talked in the Nehemiah class about the importance of ownership. Brothers and sisters, in order for these qualities to be growing in us, we must say, I have to have faith. And I have to be adding to my faith virtue and to my virtue knowledge and to my knowledge self-control. And Paul and Paul and Jason and Marie and Jasmine, these things we need to own and say this is important to me. And the second thing is that needs need to be increasing. We can't just get to a point where we become stagnant in our lives. And we say, you know what? I've got faith. You know what? I've got virtue. I've got some knowledge. I've got self-control. I've got perseverance. I've got, you know, godliness and brotherly affection and love. I've got all those things. It's not enough to have them. 
We need to be increasing and growing in them every day. These are levels of faith, knowledge, and self-control and love. They are increasing through the years. Greater faith, not the same faith. Through the years, greater knowledge, not the same knowledge. Through the years, greater perseverance, not the same perseverance. And the third takeaway from verse 8 is that if we have these, if we own them, and we are increasing in them, this tells us that we will not be unfruitful or ineffective. And if we are doing these things and increasing in these things, they will transform us. And what's amazing is that that's exactly what God's Word will do if we allow it to. It will transform us. It will change us. It will make us into something better than what we are right now at this very hour. And the fourth takeaway from this is that we must realize and we must decide to be in the fruit-bearing business. God desires, God demands for us to bear good fruit. Brothers and sisters, are you bearing good fruit? Or is God desiring to prune you and to cut you down because you're not being an effective child of God? These are tough discussions to have. But we must be growing. We must own it. We must be increasing. We must be allowing the Word of God to transform us. And we must be in the fruit-bearing business. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 9, it says, For he who lacks these things is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I see a few of you in the audience that wear glasses. Some of you know what it's like to not, have, not be able to see very well. But when you think about nearsightedness, it means that you're only able to see what is right in front of you. It means that if there's a clock on the wall or an alarm clock next to your bed, that sometimes if the glasses aren't on, you have to be this close to be able to see that item. And what that means is that you are getting close to being blind in the sense of what God's describing here. Because sometimes in life, what we get so distracted by is the things of this world. The things that are immediately around us. Not the things forecoming. Not the things that we can always see on the next level. And in 2 Corinthians... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And when you look at this small g here, you think Satan. You think about the God of this world. Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verses 1-4, through 4, it says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. 
And we go back to this concept that we were reminded of in Hebrews chapter 5. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you were not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. How many of us in this room this morning are still of the flesh? Who have not completely given every aspect of our lives to God? For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paulo, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Brothers and sisters, are we of the flesh or are we completely of the Spirit of God? And in Colossians chapter 3, in verses 5 through 10, it says, Put to death. Therefore, what is earthly? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. What's interesting in verse 7, he tells us that you once walked in these things. You were once of the flesh. But as Christians, as children of God, you have put those away. And He tells us, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Brothers and sisters, we must be putting off all of these things. We can't just pick and choose. And we talked a couple weeks ago about replacing or removing and replacing. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. So you need to remove those things of the old and replace it with the new. And I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to replace them with. So if you want to write this down, you need to replace it with your faith, you need to replace it with your virtue, your knowledge, your self-control, your perseverance, your godliness, your brotherly kindness, and your love. That's what you need to replace these fleshly, worldly things with. And then, in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 17 through 24, it says, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and you were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Brothers and sisters, we must be putting on the new self. And I challenge you, that not having these qualities makes us blind spiritually. 
It makes us unable to see the things of God. It makes us unable to see the things that are of the Spirit, the things that have been given to us to remind us of the wonderful blessings of God. It makes us focused on the things of this world. The second thing is it makes us incomplete. And I say makes us incomplete because God is telling us and He tells us and reminds us a couple verses later that if you have these things and they're increasing, you will never stumble. You will never fall. You will be made complete. And so brothers and sisters, we need to have these qualities so that we can be complete in God's eyes. And third... If we don't have these qualities, we will forget. And what that means ultimately is that we'll forget where we came from. We'll forget who we once were. And we will forget what God has done for us. And we will forget where we're going. I think about the song, Amazing Grace. And he talks about how I was blind, but now I see. Brothers and sisters, not having these qualities makes us blind. It makes us incomplete and it makes us forget. And when we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, we need to realize that these qualities are important and they're in a special order for a reason. And it doesn't mean that I have to have my faith 100% perfect before I can go on to virtue and then to knowledge. It means that these are building blocks upon each other. Second, these qualities together with the word add or supply means that there's action that we must be taking. That you and I must be taking on a daily basis. And these qualities tell us how important our character is as Christians. It means that when people see us, what do they see? What type of people do they see? What type of qualities do they see within us? And Peter tells us that if these qualities are ours and are increasing, they will, bear, they will allow us to be fruitful and effective Christians and children of God. And for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And these qualities are up to you and to me to develop. And that's the reality. When we walk out of these buildings, is it going to be important enough for us to make these qualities increasing? Are we just going to leave them where they're at? Are we just too busy in our lives? Brothers and sisters, I have four more points and the lesson is yours. And when we think about being effective and fruitful children of God or having an effective, fruitful faith, I think there are four four important things that we must understand. The first thing is that we must own these qualities. We must own our faith. We must own our virtues. We must own our knowledge. 
And when I say own it, that means we need to say, you know what, it's important to me because it's who I am. It's a part of everything that I do. It's not just something that I do on Sunday and Wednesdays or when I'm with these people and not with the other people. It's a part of who I am every day of my life. The second way to be effective and fruitful for God is to recognize that you must be growing in these qualities. Every single day we must decide to grow in these virtues. And the third thing is that these, we, must, we must accept and understand that if we are growing in these things, they will transform us. They will. And the reason we know that is because God's Word tells us that. It doesn't matter what I tell you from this pulpit. It matters what the Word of God tells you from the book of God. It is telling us that if we are growing and increasing in these things, then I will be fruitful. I will be effective. And through that effectiveness and that fruitfulness, I will be transformed into a child, a complete child of God. And the fourth thing that we must understand is that if these qualities, that these qualities will lead to eternal life. And brothers and sisters, I believe that that's the most important point that I could possibly make. If there is anyone in this room this morning that is wanting to have eternal life for all eternity with our Heavenly Father, then you must read 2 Peter chapter 1 and be growing and increasing in these qualities every single day of your life. And if you don't want to have eternal life with our Heavenly Father, then don't. Stay where you're at. But I know for a fact that God wants every single one of us to be in heaven with Him for all eternity. Brothers and sisters, I am grateful for God's grace I am grateful for His love and His mercy. And I know that if these qualities are within us, we will be profitable, we will be useful, and we will be productive for our Heavenly Father. Brothers and sisters, do you want to be useful? Do you want to be productive? Do you want to be profitable in the kingdom of God? I truly believe that that's what God wants from every single one of us. If there is anyone here this morning that needs to make something right or needs to confess or needs the prayers of the congregations or needs to take that initial step into growing their faith, they want to take that step and say, you know what, I've been in this roadblock for a certain period of time and I need to make changes. Brothers and sisters, this is the time to do it. To say, you know what? This is the day that I increase in these qualities. This is the week that I give God my absolute best. If that is you, if you've been pricked to the heart this morning, I challenge you to take that step to say, God, I want to be useful. I want to be profitable. And I want to be productive for you. And I want as well to be in the fruit-bearing business. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. If there's any that we can anything we can do for you this morning, please come as John leads us in our invitation song.